Now, while we wait upon God in worship, may I direct your thoughts to two passages of Scripture, one from the New Testament and the other from the Old. The Gospel according to John, uh, chapter 13, and particularly at verse 8. It was uh, the uh, occasion of the last uh, Passover that our Lord uh, partook with his disciples. After that he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with a towel wherewith he was girded. Peter saith unto him, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. These words, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. The Old Testament passage you will find in the book of the Song of Solomon, chapter 5, verses 2 and 3. The bride or the church speaks, I sleep, but my heart waketh. It is the voice of my beloved that knocketh, saying, Open to me, my sister, my love, my dove, my undefiled, for my head is filled with dew, and my locks with the drops of the night. I have put off my coat, how shall I put it on? I have washed my feet, how can I defile them? These words, I have washed my feet, how can I defile them? And I want to speak to you tonight, God helping me, on cleansing, false and true. And I want to speak, if I can, very simply, for I feel uh, that there are few experiences in the Christian life that we are more prone to erring than in this, our cleansing. We are poor judges of our own sanctification. It is an old and indeed a wise tradition of the Keswick Convention that the second day of Convention Week should be devoted to this particular subject. In the first passage, the passage in John 13, we have illustrated and enforced the meaning of true cleansing. At this Passover, the last he ate with his disciples, Christ turned the customary feet washing into a sacrament of his grace the visible sign of a spiritual reality. He was to leave them. They were to be without his physical presence, but he was to come back to them in the nearer presence of the Holy Spirit. Henceforward, they were to walk with him in the Spirit. And if they are to hold this nearer communion with him, their walk must be clean. 
they cannot walk with him with uncleansed feet. So on that solemn night, supper having been served, the Savior girded himself with a towel and undertook the menial task of washing his disciples' feet. Simon's sense of the fitness of things was shocked that the master should undertake a task commonly relegated to the slave in the household, a task which indeed they omitted to do for him or for one another as they entered the Passover chamber, the very thought made Simon recoil. And he protested, Thou shalt never wash my feet. Then came the completely unexpected rebuke in these solemn words, If I wash thee not, thou hast no part with me. This is an inexpressibly solemn sight. The Savior of the world on bended knee washing his disciples' feet. We are accustomed to speak often and much of the cross-bearing Savior. We are not at all accustomed to speak of the towel-girt Savior. And yet the one is as indispensable to our salvation as the other. Note then that true sanctification is a Christ-cleansing. Simon did not understand this. He has had gracious dealings with his Savior before this day. He had been washed in the labor of regeneration. All of them, except when, had this initial cleansing. And therefore the master could say, ye are clean, but not all. Judas had missed it. He had come into discipleship somewhere along the road, but not by the way of the cleansing fountain. Is there anyone here uh, tonight, or uh, within reach of my voice anywhere, who came into the following of Jesus in some other way than by uh, the cleansing of regeneration? Perhaps you uh, stepped in somewhere halfway along the road of discipleship? Clean, the Lord said, but not all. Not you, the master says. You cannot deceive him. You may be in the company of discipleship, but if you have taken religion halfway along the road, if you have not had your transaction with him to begin with, clean but not all. But this once for all cleansing, this Overall, bathing, as the word puts it, did not mean that no further uh, cleansing was now necessary. True, it was to be of a different order. It was not a cleanse standing, 
a justified position they now needed. It was a cleansed walk they must receive. He that is clean needeth not to wash save his feet, but is clean every whit. He that is bathed, he who has had sin once for all death with in its guilt and condemnation, is now and forever more in the sight of God clean every whit, accepted, justified from all things, freely and completely forgiven. That work will not need to be done again. It is a once for all transaction. Eternity is written upon it. But the, justi the justified when still needs his feet cleansed. That is his walk, his character, his life. And it must be done if his condition is to be in harmony with his position. If his life is to become worthy of his standing in Christ Jesus. I know that God is not answerable to his creatures for his actions, but I feel sure that his justification of his people will be justified at the bar of a moral universe because they will all be righteous. They will be like God when they are received into his presence. And only the one who has redeemed us can cleanse us if I wash thee not. He alone must undertake this very intimate and personal transaction for you and for me. We read that our Lord performed this task in full consciousness of his deity. Verse 3, Jesus knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he was come from God and went to God, riseth from supper. He was fully conscious of his infinite resources, fully aware of his divine origin and his divine destiny, yet he humbled himself to do a task which only a divine hand could do, a task for which he had to humble himself into kinship with us, into sacrifice for us, in order that he might touch our sin, bear it in his own consciousness on the tree, and thereby cleanse us. And when our Lord washes our feet, cleanses our walk, sanctifies our nature, he gives us a deep, deep consciousness of his deity. We know that it came from God. For he flashed divine light upon our hearts and lives to reveal and to condemn. We know then, as we lie exposed and convicted at his blessed feet, we know that he is come from God. None other but the Son of God could so expose and so cleanse with such faithfulness and tenderness, with such purity and grace and love, 
Let us learn then tonight that true sanctification is a Christ cleansing. Only a divine hand, the hand that was wounded for our transgressions, can separate us from sin, can cleanse our life and our walk. In him is a fountain opened both for sin in his guilt and for sin in his uncleanness. It must be Christ's cleansing. It may, he may and generally does use means, means that will search us and hurt us, but whatever they are, they must be in his hands and under his control. He loves us too dearly to leave our cleansing uh, to another. He will drag us into the searchlight of his own presence. He will uncover our pollution and lay bare our sin. He will pass nothing by. He will excuse nothing. He will condone nothing. For it is his will that no sin should find a hiding place in your nature or mine. Every time he forgives and he multiplies pardon. Every time he forgives, he says, go, sin no more. And blessed be his name. His word is with power. His biddings are enablings. Sin is slain in his presence. Sin goes out at his command. Learn then that there is no substitute for his cleansing. Do not trust to any emotional upheaval, whether it be at Keswick here or elsewhere, that alone will not cleanse. Do not trust to any experience, however exalting or humbling, to cleanse you from sin. Even when you have at the last come out of great tribulation, you have washed your robes and made them white, not in the tribulation, but in the blood of the Lamb. Christ is the one who of God is made unto us sanctification. But you must note that Christ's cleansing is Christ's sharing. Peter had a true vision of the dignity and glory of his master, the master he loved. He thought this act inconsistent with Christ's dignity, too menial, too lowly. Lord, he cried, not me, thou wilt never wash my feet. And he drew from the master the rebuke, gentle but firm and disturbing. If I wash thee not, there was no part with me. If you do not submit to my washing, you have no share in me. And Simon capitulated at once, not my feet, but my hands and my head. The thought of having no part with the master was too dreadful uh, to contemplate. He could refuse to be washed. He could resist the gracious operation, but the alternative was too dreadful. No part in Christ. 
And so he yielded completely. So must we. We must submit to the cleansing process willingly and with all our hearts. Our wills must be holy and completely on the side of the towel girt Savior. We must never, never excuse any sin, cling to it, or refuse to let it go. If we are not willing, we must pray that we be made willing to part with it, for his people shall be willing in a day of his power. Sin may cling to us, sin may be interwoven with every fiber of our being, may stay in the warp and woof of our natures, but we must be willing to let it go, willing to be made whole. No spurious reverence, no sanctimonious sentiment, no false loyalty can stand in the way of our wholehearted cooperation and submission to the cleansing Lord. And when the will yields submission, our whole natures will be invaded by this cleansing power. It will affect our nature, our entire beings, just as sin affected our entire beings. We believe that total sanctification is the counterpart of total depravity, that as sin affected us totally in the totality of all our parts, so sanctification must affect us totally and in the totality of all our parts. Blessed be God, his cleansing will go as deep as sin has gone. It will wipe out, eradicate forever the stain. He will make an end of our sin. And so the cleansing of Christ affects us totally. It will give light to our understanding, sensitiveness to our conscience, purity to our hearts, joy and peace to our spirits. There is not a corner of our being but must be entered and pervaded and dominated by the cleansing influence of the Lord Jesus Christ and his spirit. It may hurt, it may wound, like plucking out an eye or like uh, cutting off a limb. But faithful are the wounds of a friend. The w he wounds only that he may heal. He afflicts that he may comfort. He breaks a heart that he may make it whole. The alternative to this cleansing is too dreadful. No part with me. Think of it, disowned, cut off, disinherited from the Lord. No part in my fellowship. You may linger in the company of the disciples, but you will not walk with the Master. Can two to walk together except they be agreed? He will never keep company with sin unconfessed and unforsaken. No part with me, no recognition. He cannot give you his recognition or his benediction in anything you do. You may plead that you have had many choice privileges in his church. You may say with others, we have eaten and drunk in thy presence 
and there was taught in our streets only to hear the master say, Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. You may plead your success, that you did many spectacular things in his name. Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name did many wonderful works. That successful evangelism, surely. And then the master will profess to you, I never knew you. Depart from me, all ye that work iniquity. There's no substitute for a holy life. And no substitute will ever pass muster with the master that we profess to serve. No part with him, no fellowship, no recognition, no reception. An unholy character he will not receive into his father's kingdom. Be not deceived. Do not shelter under a past experience. Call it conversion. Call it justification. Call it anything you like. If it has not separated you from sin, it is a spiritual illusion, a mirage of the desert, unprofitable and unreal. He will disown you at the last. Why, you say, don't you believe in the perseverance of the saints? Yes, I come from Scotland, but I believe more. I believe in the perseverance of the Holy Spirit in my sanctification. And Christ, rede Christ redeems ones are made holy. And without holiness, no man shall see the Lord. Be not deceived. No past experience. No past privilege, no past success can ever pass muster with the Lord in place of a holy character and a cleansed life. You are meeting the judge of all. Only a cleansed character will pass in that day. Is there a false cleansing then? Yes, here it is. I have washed my feet. How can I defile them? This is self-cleansing. It bears the marks of falsity on its very face. What are they? First, broken communion. Her beloved was without. Where? Behind a locked door. How foolish, how foolish to pray about her self-cleansing. Too clean to rise and let him in. It would have been a solemn entrance had he come. It's always a solemn moment when Christ enters any heart or any home. You remember when he entered the home of Zacchaeus, there was an immediate dismantling. And when Christ enters your heart or your home, many things that were right before are wrong now. And like Zacchaeus, you have to pull them down in mercy before they are dragged down in judgment. Broken communion, self-pleasing. Here are the accents of complacent satisfaction. I have washed my feet. How can I defile them? The moment you admire your own sanctification, you have stepped outside the current of his cleansing blood. 
you are not in the line of blessing at all. Ah, you say, shouldn't I be able to see my own sanctification? Never, never to admire it. Never to rest satisfied with it. Seldom even to be conscious of it. Moses wist not that the skin of his face shone. Neither shall you see the radiance of your own character. For you are looking at the surpassing glory of your Lord's character. And what are you standing beside him? Broken communion, self-pleasing, disobedience. She could not open the door. She could not admit her beloved. She could not respond to his call. Why? I have washed my feet. How can I defile them? What? Too holy to answer your Lord's call? To do his bidding? To run his errands? Oh, what a spurious holiness. You are afraid to catch defilement when you are doing the Lord's will or giving him service as if he could not keep you anywhere, anywhere he sent you. He had a church of God in the filth of Corinth. He had saints in most unlikely places. It was a triumph of his grace that they were kept clean and unspotted from the world. And if he sends you anywhere on his service, be sure of it, he can keep you there. He can keep you clean in the most foul surroundings. This is a false cleansing indeed. A cleansing that means broken communion. A cleansing that means complacency and self-satisfaction. A cleansing that leads to disobedience to your Lord's will and to your Lord's bidding. Brethren, we have a holy master. We have a holy calling. We have a holy indwelling spirit. We shall meet a holy God. Meet him now. He is a consuming fire. He will cleanse. He will purify. He will make holy. And without holiness, no man, no woman, whatever their experiences and privileges and successes may have been, no man shall see the Lord. Amen.